that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in, in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, thank you, Teddy, for reading. Uh, I really love Psalm 1. It's my, probably one of my favorite psalms, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I just uh, really appreciate it. Um, I'm having some trouble connecting, so what I am going to ask uh, Isaac, you to do is just to move forward when I tell you to, okay? And then I've got my, my, my stuff right here, okay? So you can handle that? Okay, so... I want you, okay, you're good? Okay, you're in the right spot, good. Um, I want to thank everybody for being here again. We are going to be in Romans, okay, I guess you're out of the job. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, we're, so uh, we're talking about transformation. Last week we talked about, and, and we're in this process of, and, and really this is going to be here for about a year. Holy, wow, welcome, sorry. Somebody's, a prodigal son returns. Lars is back from Asia. He was not really prodigal. He was working, but Lars is back from Asia. Well, I, I like I th- thought I saw you on Facebook like yesterday in Hanoi or something like that. So, oh, oh, <laughs> so wow. I'm glad. Well, we're happy to see you. Welcome back from Tokyo. We can talk about that later. Uh, so yeah. So we're talking about transformation. This is going to be about a year, I think, in the process of talking about this, because and we're going to be working on this for a year because I think I want to be different, and I think. God calls us to be different, and we're talking about making all things new, that everything we do is about being transformed, and we're going to spend most of our time in Romans 12 today, but we're going to, we're going to take a detour there through the book of John, but I wanted to refresh what I talked about last week, because last week we talked about, about how we are repaired, and how Jesus in his salvation repairs us and heals us from our sin, but the ingredient that we put into that is repentance. The ingredient we put into the mix of our salvation is repentance, about not fighting with God that what we have done is not wrong, but acknowledging that we are not who we are supposed to be, that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, that we have undertaken behaviors and habits that are damaging for us, that are damaging for other people. So um, understanding that this week, we don't just stop at that place of like, now we're fixed and now we're healed from our sins. We also want to continue to transform. And this is interesting because this is what Jesus says In John chapter 17, as he's praying for his disciples, this is his prayer for them. And I think that this is important for us as we begin to talk about transformation. So he says this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not uh, uh, not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is praying to God for the disciples, okay? Sanctify by them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now this word sanctify just means to make holy. 
and this is a really important idea of what we're talking about, that in order to make something holy, you had to prepare it for sacrifice. You would, if there was an animal that you were going to sacrifice, you would, you would clean the animal. You would make sure that it was, it was prepared and properly ready to be offered as a sacrifice. And Jesus' prayer for the disciples is that they be sanctified as well, that they be cleaned, that they be made new, that they be made what he has called them to be. And I think this is interesting because this is, uh, Jesus is not talking about escape, right? I think that there's this understanding sometimes that we have about our Christianity that, that what that we, we want to do as we begin to follow Jesus is to escape from this world. Like, I'm going to just leave all of this stuff behind and I'm just going to get to this other place where everything's good and perfect. That's not what he's calling us to do. My prayer is not that you take them from the world, right? But that we're sent into the world, but we're sent sanctified into the world. And he prays that, we're, that, 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 that there be ongoing change in the life of the disciples, that they not remain as they are, but that they change, that they become sanctified, that they become holy. And this is the process that they're undertaking. He continues. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the intent of our sanctification, the intent of our transformation, of us being made new, of the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit is in our lives is so that other people can see and hear the message of Jesus. The intent of sanctification is evangelism. And the intent of our being made new is to communicate what Jesus has said to us to the rest of the world. So this is not merely believing in Jesus in your mind. That's really important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not in any way denigrating or degrading that or saying that that's not important. But in addition, Jesus says that in addition to just believing in him, but that they would be transformed, that they would be made new, that they would be sanctified and set apart in holiness. And and not holy in the next world, but holy in this world. Holy here and now. Sanctified here and now. Because that is the change that is going to transform the world as they see it and see what God can do in this life. And I don't, wanna, oh, I don't think I can overstate this. Because in all honesty, most of us have grown around a Christianity, and especially evangelical Christianity for the last hundred years or so, that has been really focused on escape. That what we want to do is we want to bring in everybody, get them to believe in Jesus so that we can all escape to heaven where it's good because here it's bad. That's not what Jesus is calling us to at all. He's saying, believe in me and be transformed so that this world can be made new. Believe in me and be transformed so that people can see the change that is happening in you. So that they can see that there is the possibility of being made different and they operate and they can operate differently. And I think that this is a really important thing for us to grasp, that, that the life of Christianity is not a one-time moving from, from death to life, although that's incredibly important. It's incredibly important for us to take this step to believe, from not believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus, from not recognizing our sin to, to recognizing our sin. But we don't stop there. We continue on and be and, and and enter into the process of sanctification uh, by by the by the Holy Spirit, and this is how Paul talks about it, and this is what we're going to be talking about most of the time. Because when I begin to talk about holiness, 
what I grew up with and what many of you grew up with is when, when we begin to talk about holiness, we, get, we, we think, okay, now I become holy by not doing a bunch of things, right? So I don't, I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls who do, right? That's the old classic line from, okay, I grew up on Prince Edward Island, which is like about 40 years behind the rest of the world, and I actually heard that thing. But okay, so... But we, there's a whole bunch of things that we don't do. That's what we think holiness means. But, rather, but, but Paul frames holiness very differently. This is what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, a little bit on the structure of Romans, just so we can understand this. The first 11 chapters of Romans are, are, are Paul explaining his theology of salvation, how we as human beings move from death to life in the work of Jesus. So in light of those 11 chapters about salvation, he says, in light of this life that we've been given, now you guys live differently. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In light of the salvation that's given to us, live every day in ongoing sacrifice. It's not one step and then we're done, right? It's, it's, there's this one big switch from life from death to life, this one big switch from not being in tune to what Jesus wanted and now being in tune, but now we continue to work in that. We don't, and what's interesting about this being a process is I think that one of the things that's most dangerous about people newly coming to Christianity is that they begin to get frustrated with themselves because they say like, okay, I've, I've, I'm now saved, I ought to be completely different all at once, Right? I ought to have completely different desires today. I ought to never sin again because now I know Jesus. Even Paul is saying that's not the way that it works. Yes, we've moved from death to life, but now we begin to transform ourselves by the renewing of our minds. We enter into habits that make us different. It's rather the beginning of an, it's not one step and then we're done, but that rather an, a beginning of a new way of being and living in the world. So that, and this is interesting because when Paul begins to describe holiness, he doesn't describe it as behaviors from which you ought to refrain, right? Don't do these things. He explains, he, he begins to explain holiness in this way. He says, okay, so be holy, be transformed. Then he says, we have to, oh, I think I went one, two, four. There we are. Okay. Oh, shoot, I missed it. Sorry. So Romans 12, 4 to 6 says this. This is um, so uh, his will that is acceptable and perfect. I seem to have made a slide disappear. It says this. For by the grace given to me, the first example of what holiness looks like is not refraining from things, but he says this. For by the grace given to me, I, thank, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have member, many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is really interesting what holiness looks like in according to Paul. Holiness doesn't look like refraining from behaviors. Holiness looks like humility. Holiness looks like interdependence. Holiness looks like understanding that you didn't get here on your own, 
and you cannot survive here on your own. By recognize that we are all members of each other, that as brothers and sisters in this room and in the body of Christ at large, we need each other desperately. And we need to find and, and we need to walk arm in arm and hand in hand if we're going to do what God has called us to do. Holiness looks like understanding the reality of interdependence. Holiness looks like understanding humility and not seeing ourselves differently than we ought. And he continues, we have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. For, for if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Holiness looks like figuring out where you belong in the context of the body. Holiness looks like, with your brothers and sisters, examining the things that you have in you to offer to this body and then doing that. Holiness looks like figuring out where you belong that by discovering what you bring to the table and doing it with all your might. And this is interesting because this is, there's an, a humility that comes along with this discernment because this doesn't say we have different gifts and do what you want to do, whatever you feel like doing. Because sometimes we think that we have a gift for something or we want to have a gift for something and we can't do it, right? I want to have the gift of songwriting. If I could give myself any gift, if I could just like go to the gift store and be like, I would like to have this. I would love to be an amazing songwriter. Uh, that gift was not given me. I tried writing songs for a while. Every song that I wrote sounded like Hootie and the Blowfish. And, and I ended up hating them all, right? I really wanted that to be my gift, but it's not my gift, right? And some people really want their gift to, like, I don't really want this gift, but, I, but part of me would really love to be administratively sound, that that was my, but that's not my gift. I need, need the humility of understanding that I'm good at some things and not good at other things, and I, need, but, but I need, and, and I need to work with my brothers and sisters to say, like, where do I fit in here? And you need to do that as well. You need to stop believing that you have nothing to offer, right? You need to stop believing that, that I can't help in any way. That's not true. You also need the humility to, the, to understand that, like, maybe I can't do everything that I want to do, and there's a role that I fit in with here. Holiness looks like, holiness, holiness looks like humility of understanding that you're part of a group of people that you need and that need you. Holiness now also looks like figuring out where you belong. And then it continues. He's talking about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep spiritual further, fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So holiness looks like behaving well and with sincerity amongst your brothers and sisters. Holiness looks like honoring one another above yourselves. Holiness looks like praying for one another. Holiness looks like serving one another by maintaining your hope. Holiness isn't primarily refusing to do things, but it's engaging with the people around you and praying for them. Holiness looks like joy, it looks like patience, it looks like faith, it looks like prayer, it looks like generosity and hospitality. And I want to, I want to, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I think it's a worthwhile thing to bring in. There's two things here 
share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Sometimes we get that confused as if they're the same thing. I think that there's two entirely different things that are going on here. So he's talking about sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. Um, if your brother or sister came to your house hungry, how would you feed them? Well, most of you, like me, if your brother and sister, like a, a genuine, like a, a, a biblical, uh, like a, not a, not like a, oh, brother and sister, but like a genuine, or like your best friend shows up and they're like, I'm kind of hungry. I would be like, go make a sandwich. There's food there. Go take it. That's how you share with family, right? What's yours is mine, okay? I don't have to make a production of it, but like if you, you know, if like people that I know very well, like if, if uh, you know, like if the crockers show up at my house, they don't have to ask my permission to go get a glass of water, right? They just go get a glass of water. And also, I'm not serving you, go get a glass of water, right? That's sharing with our brothers and sisters. That's sharing with those in need. Someone has a need, we meet it, right? There's a different thing with practicing hospitality. Practice it, practicing hospitality, so sharing is, is you are part of my family, what's mine is yours. That's very important. Hospitality is on the other side of that, where you make room for those who are not yet family. Where you make room for people that don't necessarily know where the water glasses are in your house and don't know where the, the, where, where, that they have permission to do that. Or that the, the cold filtered water is in the fridge if you're a snob about things, right? They might, not <laughs> they might not necessarily know that yet. But you make room for people that you don't know when you invite them to your house and you do serve them. And, and eventually they get to the point where they just make their own sandwich. But at the beginning, you make room for them and you serve them. That's the difference between sharing and hospitality. And both of them are incredibly important. Hospitality is making room for other people in your life. And this is interesting that holiness now looks like treating other people well. Holiness looks like caring how you act with other people. And not just with people who you agree with and our friends and our family, but also with those who disagree with you. Bless those who persecute you, he says. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with others. Holiness looks like being at peace with even people that you disagree with. Holiness looks like behaving well even when you have no reason to. Holiness looks like obeying the rules when others don't. And this is something that, that I need to work on in myself because the reality is I have a standard by which I think the world should behave and when other people don't behave that way, I get mad. And I have a tendency sometimes to, to, to view people who, who are, to look at the world and say like, okay, being nice and polite and friendly, like, I love the, I love the, the Paddington movies, they're, they're amazing. One of the things he says is that if we're kind and polite, then the world will be right. And I wish with every fiber of my being that that were true, but it is not. And there's a tendency in this world for, and, and I have it in myself and I don't like it, to, to when people respond to me with aggression to be like, okay, well, this is the game that we're going to play, and I also respond aggressively. And here I'm informed that I'm not quite transformed by the renewing of my mind yet. Because the reality is I need to behave well even when I have no reason to. 
I need to treat people well even when they're not treating me well. I need to be kind with people even when they're giving me no reason to be kindness, kind to them. Not because, not because their behavior is good, but because they are created in the image of God. And what God has told me to do is to control my own behavior even when be- people are behaving badly around me. Do not be proud. Okay, so holiness looks, holiness looks, holiness looks like rejecting, and this is important too. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Holiness looks like rejecting any form of classism. Holiness looks like rejecting any form of valuing people according to their economic abilities. Holiness looks like rejecting any form of racism or ethnicism or language bias or anything that says this person is more valuable than this person. Holiness looks like rejecting all that. And until we are able to reject all that and are actively working to reject anything that makes us think that one human being is more valuable than another human being, then we are not fully sanctified yet. It's incredibly important, and it's incredibly important that we live at peace. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. As it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. I love that Paul includes this one, because I think it's incredibly important to me, that holiness looks like not taking revenge. But this holiness isn't precious. It's not a holiness that says like, oh, they're, they just don't understand and they're fine and, and, and wa- letting everything just wash off your back. That's not what holiness looks like. Holiness looks like behaving the right way and doing the right things and praying for your enemies even though you're absolutely furious. Even though you're, you're filled with anger, even though there is nothing that this person has done that is ever, the damage that, that this person has caused is never going to be made right again. It lo- holiness looks like doing the right thing even then. And holiness looks, and holiness sometimes does that with gritted teeth. And holiness sometimes does that frustrated and angry and understanding that if my enemy is hungry, I'm going to feed him. If he is thirsty, I'm going to give him something to drink, knowing that I'm going to keep burning coals onto his head. We're not perfect, and holiness doesn't expect us to be perfect yet. But what holiness does demand of us is is that we discipline ourselves, that we do not take revenge, that we do not respond with evil for evil, but that we restore evil for good. We we repay evil with good. And I got to be honest, and you guys all know this, I'm not there yet. None of us are. But this is something that we need to take seriously because it's all very well and good for us to enter into a year of transformation and talk about holiness and think of all of the things that we're going to give up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not have chocolate. I'm not going to eat chips on weekdays. I'm not, going to, you know, I'm not going to engage in all of these sorts of things. But it's quite a different thing to say, I'm going to treat my neighbor better even though they're a jerk to me. I'm going to try not to yell at the guy on the bus who is yelling at me. I'm going to try and stand with those who are being victim, who, the, with the victims of injustice in a way that is still God-honoring. And it's complex and it's confusing and it's hard. But we do it because that's what we've been called to and that's what we've been empowered for. Jesus never promised us and the Holy Spirit never promised us a life that would be easy. Never promised us ease. But what he promised us was comfort that the comforter would come and that he would be with us and that he would guide us. And this is an ongoing challenge. And I'll, i got to be honest with you, 
I'll let you know when I get there. But I'm not giving up the fight. I'm not giving up the effort to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I'm going to, and over the course of the next year, what I'm hoping that we will do is that, is that you're going to be giving something, something that we can actually write this down and start to work harder at it. That we can examine ourselves and the behaviors in which we engage and the patterns in which we engage so that we can look at them and say, how can I do this differently? We're going to diligently examine this because we believe that that is what is going to bring us change and transformation. But now we meet at this table. And we recognize that at this table, Jesus, we recognize the healing that has come in Jesus. That even apart from our continued transformation by the renewing of our minds, that all of this is made possible by Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. That while we were yet sinners, while we, while we did not understand how we were damaging each other and damaging the world around us and damaging our neighbors, when we did not understand anything that was happening around us, he met us. And he showed us in his life how to be. And he died on our behalf. And he rose again in the third day, guaranteeing his life now and for eternity. And that is what we remember as we come to this table. So I would like us, as we come to this table, to take a few moments and, and, in prayer and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind those patterns we, that we need to, the, those habits and patterns that we need to engage in to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How can we be more kind to that person who is giving us no reason to be kind to them? How can we truly engage in the world in which we live, making it better? How can, we, how can we truly connect with our brothers and sisters? How can we discover where we fit into this body? Ask the Holy Spirit to bring those things to mind, knowing that the ability to do those things is not tied up in what we're capable of, but in what Jesus has granted us in his life, death, and resurrection. So let's pray together. God. We are thankful that you are moving us towards transformation. We are thankful that you are making all things new. And we ask that you give us the courage and the strength and the discipline and the awareness to, part to, to work with you in our transformation. Bring to, bring to mind for us those times when we are not engaging with our neighbors the way we ought to. Bring to mind those times when we're being... When we're, when we're being arrogant, when we're holding ourselves up higher than we ought to. Help us to, to truly be humble. Help us to truly be kind. Help us to truly be gracious. Help us to truly be loving for those around us because we know that that is what holiness looks like. So we ask that, that as we take a few moments of silent prayer that you would bring to mind for us those, those new behaviors and patterns of being that you would like us to engage in to be transformed, knowing that this is what makes your will and your ways known to a world that desperately needs to hear your voice. We, so we take a few moments in silent prayer together.